Good morning, Northbrook. My name is Joy, and Pablo's going to read with me as well this morning. About once a month, uh, when we read God's Word, we read it from more than one language, from global languages, acknowledging that we are part of this ancient story and this global story that God has written in drawing a people to himself from every tribe, from every tongue. And we're practicing for that day when we will gather with all the beloved before his throne. So this morning we're in 1 Peter chapter 5. We're reading verses 1 through 5. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Y ahora, una palabra para ustedes, los ancianos en las iglesias. También soy un anciano y testigo de los sufrimientos de Cristo. Y yo también voy a participar de su gloria cuando Él se ha revelado a todo el mundo. Como anciano igual que ustedes, les ruego. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those who are in you are in charge of, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Cuidan del rebaño que Dios le ha encomendado. Háganlo con gusto, no de mala gana ni por el beneficio personal que puedan obtener de ello, sino porque están deseosos de servir a Dios. No abusen de la autoridad que tienen sobre los que están a su cargo, sino guíenles con su buen, buen ejemplo. Así cuando venga el gran pastor, recibirán una corona de gloria y honor eternos. Likewise, you who are younger, all of you, clothe yourselves, all of you with humility. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Del mismo modo, ustedes, los más jóvenes, tienen que aceptar la autoridad de los ancianos. Y todos visítanse con humildad en su trato los unos con los otros. Porque Dios se opone a los orgullosos, pero de gracia a los humildes. This is the word of the Lord. It's always such an encouragement to my heart. Thanks, Pablo. Thanks, Joy. Appreciate y'all doing that. Um, so I'm Jake Ledette, one of the pastors here. And uh, you're sitting somewhere else. You just sit over there. Okay. No, you're good. Um, and so uh, um, I, a couple things before we get going. That wasn't one of them. Uh, the, uh, we have a night of prayer tonight. Um, and so excited to gather with you and with God's people uh, just to seek the Lord together. Uh, if you haven't registered for that yet, there is actually still time. And just to let you know, we're having a Chipotle, you know, bar thing, the food taco bar. Yes. Um, and so in Chipotle, I'm just going to let you in on a couple things. They use, it's like the best thing when it goes well. 
they're kind of horrible. This one right here uh, at doing things well and getting in on time. And we've used them a couple times, but we're going to give it another go. We're a gracious church and here we are. And uh, when, when, when it goes right, it's good. So if you want some Chipotle tacos, come stay around and pray together with us. Uh, we really are uh, excited about... Um, we, we just, as elders, as the, the people I've talked to, as staff, we, we just are really hopeful for what the God might do as we gather together uh, to pray together. Um, and so we do want to, I mean, really providing childcare and food is to make it as easy. Life's busy. It's hard. We got a lot going on. So we do want to make it as easy as possible uh, for us to, to gather. We acknowledge those things. And that's why we go through great expense to provide those things. Um, and so we hope you can uh, join us. If you haven't registered, you can still register for that. Uh, there's only a few childcare spots available, so uh, there are some if you still need that. And then uh, there will be plenty of food. So well, if Chipotle does well, there'll be plenty of food, which you can pray for that as well. Um, and then, uh, oh yeah, one other thing before, this is our, uh, next week is our last week in First Peter. And so hope it's been an encouragement to you. Hope as we've uh, dwelt on and considered uh, God's word together as a church over the last uh, many Sundays that you can, um, you know, just, you know, I don't remember the sermons I've preached. I don't expect you to remember them either. Uh, but God moves and God works as uh, we gather as his people. And so I hope you can look back on the last many months and be like, man, God was so kind uh, to, to move in this way, to encourage me in this way, to convict me in this way as we gathered as community groups. Hopefully you're in a community group because what we do in community groups is we kind of take this time on Sundays and continue to leverage it throughout the week. Like, okay, we heard God's word proclaimed and read and taught. Uh, now what does it look like for us to actually live that out? That's what we do uh, in the midst of our community group. So if you're in one of those, hopefully you can look back on those times and be like, man, this has been a great time uh, for our group to discuss what God's word uh, has had for us. And then I did want to uh, highlight, we, if you're in a community group, you have uh, many thanks for uh, a few people. We started doing, uh, I divvied out some of the questions. So Jordan Brown, uh, Brian Doiser, and Mac Thompson help uh, do those questions now. And so uh, they get those out to us on Sundays. And so so thankful that started during this First Peter series. And, uh, and now they're going to do it uh, until glory. Um, and they, they didn't know that until this moment. But, uh, um, and so thankful for them and uh, their, their willingness to, to help and serve the church uh, in that way. And so, um, one, you know, one of the things I, I do try to consider when, I, when I'm preaching or just preparing a sermon, and sometimes I overdo this, but I think about, uh, okay, what, what, what does it mean? And I'm going to say this in a kind of confessional way here in a moment. But what does it mean to just preach and be faithful to the text? What does it mean to be sincere and genuine? Uh, what does it mean to be engaging? And, and, and uh, hope, you know, we want to put the Bible before you. We don't want this to be uh, a performance, but we do want this to be engaging. And people are gifted in uh, particular ways. And so if you know, it wasn't engaging, we weren't able to communicate God's word, then this wouldn't be something uh, I would need to do. And then, uh, you know, one of the things that I think about is how uh, humor kind of uh, fits in there. And sometimes there's just funny things that come up as I'm preaching. Those usually are things I shouldn't say that I do, and I'm sorry for half of those. Uh, but, um, and then sometimes they're, they're planned uh, or whatnot. But I have one, I just wanted to share this unrelated. So that was that whole setup. Uh, and uh, when, so y'all have, and, uh, you know, maybe some of y'all do Valentine's Day or uh, enjoy Valentine's Day, and that's a big deal to y'all. Well, as a family, I love when my wife has no idea what I'm about to say, and she's like just looking at me. 
But uh, we just kind of do family Valentine's Day. It's kind of what it's turned into uh, for us. We just have it as a family. And uh, so we drew Valentine's and I had to, to write one for Lily. And, you know, we all wrote one for different people uh, in our family. And so I say a serious thing that you genuinely can pray for, one of the things Lily struggles with is just digestion. So she's our eight-year-old little girl and she just can really uh, struggle. And one of the things she's really struggling right now, and this is too much information already, uh, is constipation. And so it's a big struggle, genuinely. You could pray for her. We would love for the Lord to move in that way. And we were experiencing some real difficulty with that on Valentine's Day. And so I just wanted to share a line that I wrote in my poem for my sweet little Lily. Um, which was, I think it went something like, uh, on Valentine's Day, everybody talks about love like it's cool. But if I could wish for anything right now, it would be loose stool. Um, and um, I did it. And so y'all can pray for Lily in that way. We good? Um, okay. I don't know. I was praying about it. I was like, should I share this? Should I not? I don't, I'm still not sure if I should. You can let me know afterwards. Uh, but we're going to move on to 1 Peter. Um, so we're talking about the church today. We're talking about the beauty of the church, talking about elders, talking about members. Um, and I want to say a, a few things as, as you hear God's word, as you hear uh, the word proclaimed uh, today, as you uh, think about eldership, as you think about being a member um, personally, when I was a young man, you know, 20s to 30, well, 20 to late 20s, when I would hear sermons like this that I'm about to preach on this subject, my heart was inflamed. Like I, it would just with a strong desire to, to be an elder, um, to uh, preach and teach God's word. Like I just had this strong uh, desire. And, and that was one of the things God uh, did in my heart. He revealed that, he exposed that. And then I continued to try to discern that. I, tr I tried to be in churches where uh, other elders could affirm whether this was a good desire, whether this is what the Lord had for me uh, or not. And so I would just encourage you to feel free to feel that desire. Uh, maybe if that is you, if you, you hear these words and there's something that, that pricks your heart in that way, and be encouraged and, and, and share that uh, with uh, an elder. Um, and then even if you're not called to be an elder, so we're going to talk about elders and members, but Peter focuses mostly on elders, and so we are too. You are called to shepherd the people around you. Uh, you're called to lead, you're called to care, you're called to tend. Maybe you're a mom of young kids, maybe you're a friend with roommates, maybe you're uh, a coworker, and you're called to uh, shepherd those that are around you. And so as you hear God's word talk about the way that we should shepherd, it shouldn't be hard for you to correlate and relate that to how you could interact in those uh, different uh, settings. And then lastly, I mean, it, it's good to acknowledge that maybe some of you have significant hurt in your life that happened uh, by church leadership, by other church members, or maybe just it's more ambiguous, but it involves the church in some way. And, and my prayer for you is that the Holy Spirit would use his word to bring comfort to you in those areas. Uh, sometimes even thinking about that, we, we almost put ourselves in opposition to comfort. Uh, like, man, I just, the, the pain of it, to be honest with you, sometimes we just wanna hold on to that pain 
Uh, sometimes the pain is just so confusing and tumultuous, it's hard for us to wrap our mind around, especially uh, there's, there's a special kind of hurt that when it's like a spiritual kind of abuse that's happened or just maybe it's, you wouldn't even say it that strongly, but just some conflict that's happened. Uh, th- those, those things can, can evoke a lot of emotions in us. And so I just would hope that you could even posture yourself uh, to receive healing the, the, and even consider, oh, God wants to heal. God wants to comfort. God wants to, to be with you and minister to you uh, in that area. So we can think about uh, that as we uh, enter into uh, this passage. And I was, I was praying about this passage yesterday, and I, I was just struck mostly uh, by, by uh, Peter's justification, if you see there in, in verse 1. When it says, I exhort the elders among you, then he says, as, and that as, it means that because of these things he's about to say, we should listen to him. Like he's exhorting the elders and he's saying, because I, I know these things, because I am these things, we should listen to him. And it's, it's kind of, as we think about it, it's, it's pretty incredible. He's, there's three things. It's a, he was a fellow elder, so he is an elder. So he's got experience. He's got that shared experience. That means he can kind of relate. But then the other two were just, they, they were really moving to me that we should listen to him because he is a witness of the sufferings of Christ. That, that, that's what qualifies him as someone that we should listen to. And then also, because he is a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. And what I was just struck by as I was thinking about that motivation for Peter was that Peter realizes he has no hope outside of Christ. Like his, his motivation for getting us to listen to him is all about Jesus, all about his sufferings, all about the glory that will be revealed when he returns. This is what Peter is encouraging us towards. And this is what he's encouraging the pastors towards. And he realizes that there are many temptations for the pastor to find their hope in something outside of Christ, and this is where I was just convicted and encouraged and prayerful uh, just yesterday, as I, I just buy into this uh, belief that if I preach the the perfect sermons with again the right amount of all the things that need to be in place, that is where I can put my hope. If I lead a staff perfectly, that is where I can put my hope. If I shepherd people perfectly, that is where I can put my hope. And the reality is I am called to do those things, uh, but I have no hope in any of those things outside of the sufferings and glory of Christ. And that's what Peter is encouraging me towards and encouraging all of us towards. And here's the deal. I am just like Peter was. I am a witness to Christ's sufferings. He's not saying that as Peter didn't, I don't even actually think, see Jesus die on the cross. Uh, Obviously, he lived with him and saw uh, Jesus' sufferings throughout his life, but we have those same sufferings before us in the scriptures. We get to see, we get to be a a witness to Christ's sufferings, and and if 1 Peter has pointed us to anything, it's to the fact that we are also, because we've shared and endured in those sufferings, we are going to be partakers in the glory that is going to be revealed. And so what is an encouragement to Peter, where he says, all all I have is Christ, my only hope is Christ, And, and being an elder and exhorting you to be the elder that I've called you to be, to shepherd and care for others, our only hope is Christ. And though we have these other temptations that we put our hope in, and it's subtle, isn't it? Like when we put our hope in these other things, 
You know, because, you know, especially if you're thinking about the church world, they're good things. And there should be like this desire to do them well. That's, that's all good. But then we just drift, don't we? And we carry too much. We have too much anxiety. We, we do actually think uh, our ability is what we need to rely most on. And we demean the power of Christ in those moments to move and work in us and through us for his good pleasure. Um, and I was just struck by, by Peter uh, encouraging me in that way and, and taking some time to pray and confess and lay those th- things down and, and pick up the hope that is, is only available uh, in Christ. This is where elders must lead from. Like if we're going to lead from a place, we have to lead from the, the, the place that Christ is all. And we have to be sensitive to our, our wandering hearts that, that go uh, in different directions. And then when we do that, when, when Christ is all, we're, we're considering his sufferings, we're excited about his glory, not our own, then we can kind of heed uh, Peter's exhortation to the elders, which in verse 2 is shepherd the flock of God that is among you. So when Christ is all, we actually want to care for God's people. That should be our desire. This, this same Greek word that's uh, for shepherd here can be also translated care as it actually is in Acts 20 uh, verse 8, which is part of Paul's words to the Ephesian elders. So Paul's exhorting elders in Acts 20, 28 and says, pay careful attention to yourselves to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care, it's that same Greek word, for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So Peter calls it the flock of God, Paul says the church of God, and Paul adds, which he obtained with his own blood. And so even just from these little statements, what we should be blown away by And what is often lost on us is just how important the church is. How beautiful the church is, how important, how, like, we all know this truth, but the perfect, glorious, holy, heavenly God came to the earth and died for the church. That's what moved him towards the, the greatest suffering anybody's ever experienced was the church. And even if we just think about, man, how does God view the church? Well, that's it. And then we think about how God views the church. And then we think about, well, how, how do we view the church? Do we, do we sacrifice for it in that same way? Do we give of our lives, our sweat, our tears, our blood for the sake of the church? People have through the generations. Um, do, do we view the church? Do we prize it? Do we value it? as God would have us value it. And I don't mean in this perfect way that God does, but do we even, do we even see the gap? And do we even care that there's a gap there? Um, or are we just kind of fine with, man, yeah, the church is, you know, it's, the, it's good. Um, the, the, the scriptures would say it is what is most important. God died for the salvation of his people. Um, and so we should have that same kind of desire to see the church uh, in that way. Yet, there are even elders and leaders in the church that belittle the church and exalt their own selfish interest. That's what Peter's pressing against here. And the reality is this is nothing new. Back in Ezekiel, the shepherds, listen to uh, the exhortation here to the shepherds of Israel. Ezekiel 34, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, 
even to the shepherds. Thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not the shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. They became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. And so we see this. We see this in Ezekiel. We see this even now. Instead of caring for the flock, shepherds actually feed on the flock. We even see that progression there going from not feeding to the sheep to actually feeding on uh, the sheep, using them for their own selfish interest. One of the reasons shepherds feed on the flock, I think, is often because they're looking past the flock to some other end. Uh, they're, they're, they're using God's people to, to achieve some end uh, that they have. Maybe they, uh, in today's time, maybe they want to grow the church to a certain number, so they use the people of God to achieve that. They want to prove that a certain ministry strategy even is the best one, so they use God's people uh, to prove that. They want to become a, a great preacher, so they use God's people uh, for even that. Uh, and, and that's why the exhortation is that the shepherd the flock of God among you. Isn't that the answer to all of those struggles? Like, I mean, we're, not, we're not here to achieve some other end. This is, this is what we're doing. Um, and that's what Peter is encouraging us towards. Peter is saying God's people are the goal. Look to them and shepherd them. What do they need? How can you care for them? How can you speak the truth and love to them? How can you point them to Jesus? What is best for them? And, and I think one of the things I think about, even if you're a parent, like how do you treat your kids when you're wanting to do something else? How do you treat your kids when you have some desire, maybe even a good desire, maybe to read your Bible? Like you're trying to read your Bible and your kids are getting in the way of that. How do you tend to treat them in that moment? And then... <laughs> you stop looking at each other. <laughs> um, and then, how do you treat them when they are the goal? How do you treat them when even you're interrupted in that way and you're like, you know what? This is what the Lord has for me right here, this little person. And then how do you treat them? It's just dramatically different. Uh, and that's what uh, Peter is saying uh, to the elders. Um, and then Peter knows, though, even when a pastor has the heart to do these things, to shepherd the flock among them, that there are temptations that come. So he, he elaborates and he gives these three commands to the elders. This is how we are to exercise oversight. This is how we are to shepherd the flock of God uh, among us. It's not under, not under compulsion, but willingly. 
as God would have you. Uh, it's just simply saying it must be willing. First Timothy 3.1, Paul says it this way. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, that's elder, same, same idea, he desires a noble task. Um, it is simple. If you are an elder, you should want to be an elder. Now, it's, it's a hard role. There's lots to do, but there should be a desire there leading you to be uh, an elder. It's not because you're needed or not because someone asked you, but because you actually desire to be an elder. And God is saying our desires actually matter. Sometimes what we think about is like, okay, I'm desiring this thing, so it's probably unhealthy, it's probably selfish, it's probably not right, I should probably not even think about it. And God's saying, actually, no, it's good for you to desire something. Your desires actually are instructive. They're surely not perfect, and there may be some things that are off here, but in regards to eldership, you need to desire to be an elder if you're going to be an elder. God would have you be a, a mediocre elder willingly rather than an incredible elder begrudgingly. Uh, it's not even about gifts or ability. Uh, that is a part of it. But before any of that happens, do you have the desire? And again, if you do have the desire, you should let a current elder know. And then he goes on, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. So we can see our desire to be an elder, but we are quickly reminded that our desires are not always right. We might desire to be an elder, but it isn't to serve God's people. It is for shameful gain. And this is why we should try to be in a place where people try to discern our desires. And again, what we try to do is we discern our desire. Like we don't like presenting anything bad to anybody else. So we try to discern our desire perfectly before we present it to anybody else. Like, man, I've worked through all these things and here's this kind of perfect desire uh, to be an elder as opposed to, man, I've got this desire. I'm not sure what's good, what's bad, what's wrong, what's right, but this is present. Would you, would you help me? Would you walk with me? Would you pray for me uh, in this way? Um, even when we, we do have desires, but, but as we know, uh, we, we are fallen and our hearts are often uh, led astray. And so we should be willing to, to kind of explore what is going on with those desires. And, and Peter is saying that sometimes those desires are actually for selfish reasons, for shameful gain. Uh, honestly, this in the text, not for shameful gain, does have the connotation of like a financial gain. How can I benefit? The, the reality is that in the New Testament, we see that uh, people were paid as part of God's church. So it's not saying that's wrong, but we see that that happens. And we actually see from the very beginning that it goes sideways pretty quickly too. Um, and so we have to like consider that. Is, that. is there some kind of shameful gain? Is there some kind of financial desire? We're reading uh, this book. I'm reading this book with a handful of guys called The Reformed Pastor. I'll have a few quotes from it here in a minute. Uh, but it's written in uh, 17th century uh, England. And what a common struggle then was even for non-Christians to go into the ministry because they just wanted a job. Um, that they just needed, a, a, you know, a, a stable living and like, hey, here's a road to that. And so actually in this book, Richard Baxter is pressing against that. And he's like, like one of his first things to exhorting elders is like, hey, you should be a Christian. You should be a Christian if you want to lead uh, God's church. Uh, and so it's been present in different ways and different cultures and different times and obviously different theological movements uh, that, that a, a shameful desire for money can be something that, that leads people uh, into ministry. But again, if, if there's just a desire for the role, are there other benefits that you're seek, seeking that you need to uh, lay down? Um, so all of this 
So whatever it is, whatever that shameful gain is, maybe it's financial, maybe it's power, maybe it's being in the know. You know, C.S. Lewis talks about the inner circle. Like it's like, oh, this is just another circle I can be a part of that I'm not in and I want to be in and it's just a selfish uh, desire. Whatever that is, all of that is compared to being eager. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. This just simply means that you aren't concerned with the benefits, but with the actual work of being an elder. Like you're eager to do it. You're excited about what it means to actually be an elder. You're excited to, you, people aren't getting cared for. You want them to be cared for. People need to be prayed for and you want to pray for them. Uh, there, there's a church that needs leadership and oversight and help and you want to be a part of that. You're eager for the work of being an elder, not just the benefits that might come uh, with being an elder. That's the, that's the difference there. What shameful gain maybe is present in you, even being a part of a church whether you're an elder or not. And do you find joy in just the genuine desire of being discipled and seeing people around you follow Jesus more fully? Like that's, that's what, so for elders, we need to consider that. But all of us as members, as people, as Christians, as people that are considering Jesus, do we desire uh, for people to know and love and walk more fully in all that Jesus would have for them? Or are we a part of a church or part of a community group or part of whatever else for our own shameful gain? Um, are there any shameful gains you need to lay down and pick up? Man, what does it look like for people to, to know and love Jesus more? What does it look like to go to a community group because of Jesus? Like, What does it look like just to arrive there, to be there because of Jesus and who he is? So we have to serve kids because of Jesus or set up and tear down uh, because of Jesus or be an elder because of Jesus. Uh, that question might help just clarify. We all have these ten tendencies and temptations. So uh, again, you need to be aware of them that we might be able uh, to lay them down. Then the last command is in verse three, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. As I said earlier, I think this is one of the things that happens when personal ambition overtakes desire to love and shepherd the flock of God uh, that is among us. This is when we're tempted to domineer and look past the people that are, are right in front of us uh, instead of looking at the person in front of us with the desire to love them and point them to their chief shepherd, our Lord Jesus. Uh, Richard Baxter, he, he says it uh, this way. He says, the whole course of ministry must be carried on in a tender love to our people. We must remember that pastors are not lords, but fathers, and therefore must be affectionate to their people as to their own children. This is the example that we should be. I remember I was at a, a church planting assessment and we were talking about preaching and whatnot. And, and one of the assessors, the guy had been a pastor for a long time. And he's like, you know, pastors are like the dads of the church and not in a demeaning way. Like every member is a, like one of our kids, but it's just like a good dad, a good, and, and, and if pastors are the dads of the church, we should want and desire to be good dads, not abusive dads. Uh, dads that are looking to uh, people with their best interest in mind, not our own selfish interest in mind. I love that picture uh, that Baxter gives us there. The reality is all too often that has not been the case. Um, and as a pastor, someone's been a pastor at four different churches now, I just want to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry if there's people that have been pastors in your life that have not been a good dad not been a good pastor, not cared for you well, 
sinned against you and maybe not acknowledged it, maybe on the extreme end have abused. There's, there's a horrific reality of what has gone on, just as we read in Ezekiel 34, of, of men seeking places of power uh, to satisfy their own selfish desires. Uh, and it's horrific. Uh, and, and it causes great damage. And, and I'm sorry uh, if that has happened to you. Um, but as we heed Peter's words, as we heed Peter's words to be these kinds of shepherd that are looking to the flock among us eagerly, willingly, desiring their good, um, not domineering, um, then we, we get verse 4. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And here's the important thing. This is important for all of us, but this is important for elders. Like We can receive crowns right now from you, from the culture, from, I mean, there's all kinds of ways as a pastor to get a crown from the culture and be accepted by the culture and be praised by uh, the culture. There's all kinds of ways to do that uh, amongst people that are a part of the church that, that's when that's what we're seeking. And there's uh, the choice. Do we seek those crowns now or do we look forward to the crown that Jesus is going to give us? And again, there's, there's ways that uh, pastors spiritually uh, abuse and do horrific things. And there's ways that pastors seek the approval of men now that abdicate the very thing that God has called them to do, which is to love people and speak the truth in love, whatever God's truth is and however it presses against you or presses against your culture. You should want to sit with a pastor who is more worried about the crown that Jesus is going to give them than any crown you can give them. Because if they're worried about you giving them a crown, then they need you and they need to use you and they need to say whatever they need to say to get that from you. But if they're seeking, if we are seeking the crown of Jesus, then we're freed up. We're freed up to love you and do what's best for you, whether you believe or agree or not. That we have to speak what God speaks. We have to believe him if everybody else doesn't believe him. And so, again, there's not just the, the uh, over-pastoring and the over-domineering. There's also the passive pastor that cares more about uh, what the approval of men uh, than the, the approval of God. And so, with Peter, we get to look to that day when the chief shepherd appears and, and receive the unfading crown of glory. What a day that will be. And then he moves on. Verse 5, we get to members. So likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Um, and so I think if I was going to just think about two ways, I mean, it's talking about submitting. So Peter's talking about submission all throughout this book. And this is one of the ways he's talking about it, that we would submit to elders and maybe even hearing that like submitting to elders. Like if you're already like kind of on guard because the Bible says that, then again, you're probably one of those people that have some baggage there and have, have some things you need to work through. And again, I would encourage you just to have a desire and a posture that God might want to heal those very areas, uh, but we can't get around the reality that God calls uh, people in the church to submit to the elders of that church. And I even want to highlight, because sometimes this is a little confused, but likewise, you who are younger, 
And so it's not saying uh, elders are this age and members are this age, but there is a general idea that elders will be older and members will be younger. It's not like a perfect, there's exceptions to that rule. There's all of those things. But I think sometimes that's lost on us uh, a little bit is that there is an idea that older people will be in the role of elder um, and that younger people are called uh, to submit to those. And again, the, the Bible wisely doesn't say, oh, this is the age for that because it could even change in context. I think about when I was first made an elder, I can't remember exactly how, I was he like 28, 29, 30, something like that uh, at City View Church just down the road. And our average age was like 26 or 27. Um, I think about even when I went to the village, it was older, uh, kind of an older average age there, and I was made an elder. And then I moved to the paradox where I was like one of the oldest people in the world all of a sudden, um, when it was just a much younger uh, church. And so different contexts can even you know, dictate some of that age. If there's a younger church or an older church, uh, the kind of age that is needed uh, among the elders. But I just think sometimes that's lost as we think about uh, elders, is that there should be some age uh, there. Um, and obviously we're called not to despise people uh, for their youth as well, but yeah. So uh, younger. And then two ways that I feel like we should uh, submit to the elders. Um, one is uh, just simply that we should join a church. Now, now you can join a church and you can be a member of a church and not submit to the elders. So it's not a perfect rule. And, and you can not join a church and not be members and submit to the elders. You can do that. Uh, but one of the things membership does is it clarifies, okay, these are the people that the elders are responsible for at this church. And this commits you to, hey, these are the people that I'm actually covenanted together to, as it'll say in a minute, to actually uh, put on humility towards one another and towards uh, these people. And there's a clarifying role that membership brings into the reality uh, of elders and members. And so uh, I would just encourage you to consider being, if it's not here, that you have an embarrassment of riches of good churches in this area. And if it isn't here, if you can't joyfully submit to the elders here, there are churches, hopefully, that you can find where you can joyfully submit to uh, the elders there. But that is one of the things that we're called to do. And here's the thing. No one gets out of submission. It's not like the elders don't have to submit. The elders, should, it's just like the elders submit to the body. The elders submit to the needs of the body. We should be sacrificing our lives for the sake of the body. And the elders are called to submit to one another. Like there may be a, a kind of respect that is due a particular elder, but the authority from God lies in the plurality of elders, not one particular elder, not one lead pastor or some other pastor or one senior pastor. Uh, as the scriptures, anytime you see the word elder in the scriptures, it's actually elders. It's always plural in the Greek. It's the plurality of elders that, that I am called to submit to and you are called uh, to submit to that none of us get out of submission. And if you see someone that feels like they are above submitting, that would probably be a good sign that that is an unhealthy place to be, or at least someone that's uh, trending towards uh, unhealth. That none of us get out of submission. It's not like you become this thing and you're like, oh, I don't have to submit to anybody anymore. Uh, we should be really weary of submitting to people that don't submit uh, to other forms of leadership. Um, and so membership, so uh, is one way. And then as elders, one of the things we desire for our church uh, this year is we, we got together 
in January to just kind of pray and consider uh, what this year looked like. And even as we were thinking back on last year's kind of focuses for the year, which were, uh, I'm sure y'all could all say them back to me, but I'll say them for you. Um, but uh, where we're focusing on prayer uh, and leadership development. Wow, I should have wrote these down. Prayer and leadership and evangelism. Um, and uh, one of the things we thought about in regards to even those focuses is it feels like by God's grace, those are actually kind of flowering into some really sweet things in this year. And so uh, as those kind of continue to grow, one of the things we thought about this year was, man, what would it look like for us to focus on and ask God to make us a shepherding church? So obviously that means Dustin and me and Randy growing in our understanding and desire and, and how God would want to move through us as the elders of Northbrook, but that even as a church, church-wide, again, we're all called to this shepherding kind of care in our community groups and our homes and our families. Uh, what does it look like for us just to grow in our desire uh, to shepherd one another? And so one of the things we submit to the elders is uh, membership. The other way is actually to receive shepherding. I think we've, we've well, there, we, we struggle with this in different ways in different seasons. So it's not like, you know, in this era of the church, we're bad at this and every other era was good. Uh, but in this era, what is it, what do you think about receiving shepherding from an elder? Some of you might be eager for it and some of you might be quite resistant to it. And there is, we can't grow in our ability to shepherd one another, even again, as elders or as a church as a whole, unless we're willing to actually receive shepherding. Um, we, we can't just all be shepherding someone that's not receiving it. That doesn't make any sense. But I think even as I say that, maybe you realize, oh, there, there might be some resistance there. There might be some resistance to actually receiving care and receiving shepherding in the areas of my life that I'm struggling with. Um, and one of the things we hope the Spirit does in us is that we would actually be open to receiving that. And I have those same hesitations in my life. I need shepherding as well. I need to be cared for. And there are certain areas where that's easy, and there are certain areas where I'm, I really don't want to invite you into that area of my life. And we all need shepherding and care in those areas. So, like, we need a, the Spirit to do that. We need, we need God to move in our hearts and minds, not just to equip us to be uh, good shepherds, but to equip us to actually receive shepherding. Like, how, how would you, don't answer out loud, um, how would you feel if uh, me or, or Randy or Dustin just called and said, hey, I just want to check in on you. How are you doing? What's going on? How are you doing with Jesus? How's your family? How are friends? How's being single? How are you doing? And like, there was no prompt. There was no like, hey, let's get a meeting. There was no, it was just like calling to, is that something you are excited for? That's something you want to receive or that's something that feels the scriptures would call it. Like that's what being a church is. That's the, that's the kind of shepherding that should naturally take place in a church. And by God's grace, it does. I just want to prepare us. Like, like what, what's going on in our hearts and what does it look like to receive that from uh, actual elders and uh, one another? Just being willing to be uh, pastored. Listen to Baxter again. He says this. He says, one word of seasonable, prudent advice given by a minister to an individual in need has done more good than many sermons would have done. And this is from a better preacher than me. He had like 800 families as a, a members in his church there in Kidderminster. And he is a prolific preacher. And he said another, uh, another way earlier in the book that he's like, I've seen more good done in this than years of sermons. Um, 
And that's the kind of shepherding that we that is, by God's grace, taking place at Northbrook. And so praise God for that, that the, the, the Lord is moving in that way. But we just want, man, would, God, would you do more of that? Would you grow us? Would, you, would we, when new people get to come to Northbrook, Christians or non-Christians, would they be invited to a culture of shepherding? Like where they can actually get and receive good care. We're not counselors, we're not professionals, we're not that. We're just the church loving and caring uh, for one another. We just long for, for God to move uh, in that way uh, in our midst. And then uh, another way that we can submit to uh, elders, we see this in the book of Acts, and is just to submit to the teachings. Listen to Baxter here. He says, we must insist on the greatest, most certain, and necessary things and be more seldom and sparing on the rest. If we teach Christ to our people, we teach them all. Love that statement. Get them well to heaven and they will have knowledge enough. The great and commonly acknowledged truths are those that men must live on. They are the great instruments of raising the heart to God and of destroying men's sins. Other things are desirable to be known, but these must be known or else our people are undone forever. And so when I say submit to the elders' teachings, it's submit to the teachings of Christ. It's submit to us as elders pointing you to Jesus and all that he provides for you, all that he is for you, all that he wants for you. And may that be the message that you hear most often, loudest and clearest. And may that be the message that you desire to hear so much so that if you were to stop hearing it, you would start to struggle a bit. There's so many other things we can focus on. And again, as Baxter said, there's some other things that are good to know, but there's one thing that must be known. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, not just for your salvation, but also for the totality of your life. That the gospel is the power of God. And that is for you when you go to work. It's for you when you parent. It's for you when you're struggling with extended family. It's for you in every and any situation. It's for you in your salvation. And it's for you in everything that you face after your salvation. And so that, would that be the, the teaching that you willingly submit to? And may that be the teaching that continues to, to go forth from Northbrook. And then he goes on. So submit to your elders and then be subject to the elders and then clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. Uh, I, I would, this is the last Baxter quote. He, he gives this incredible picture of a humble Christian. Listen to this. The strength of the Christian is the honor of the church. Oh, what an honor it is when men are inflamed with the love of God live by lively working faith, set little store on the prophets and honors of the world, love one another fervently with a pure heart, can bear and heartily forgive a wrong, suffer joyfully for the cause of Christ, study to do good and walk inoffensively and harmlessly in the world. They are ready to be servants of all men for their good, becoming all things to all men to win them, and yet abstaining from the appearance of evil and seasoning all their actions with a sweet mixture of prudence, humility, zeal, and heavenly spirituality. Now, when I read this, I, what I'm not saying is that I've attained this incredible picture that, that Baxter uh, puts forward. But I want to. Like, like, what a sweet picture of someone loving and following Jesus uh, with their life. What a sweet picture of people that are clothing themselves with humility towards others. 
Like even if you hear that, what gets in the way of you desiring that, of you walking in that, of you achieving that? That's what we should be mindful of. And I think as we think about clothing, our hum- clothing ourselves in humility towards one another, even as we think about church hurt, I think a couple things I want to warn us about. One, when we read about church hurt online, when we read about things going on that we are not really connected to, we should have an a incredible um, doubt in our ability to know what's going on there. Like, I'm not saying we can't know about certain things. Obviously, things, you know, happen and become clear that I mean, happens in church and outside of the church that we can, even though we weren't a part of this, we can be convinced, oh, this bad thing happened to, to these people. Um, and we can be convinced in that. But we should just need to be really careful. Again, to be honest with you, I think this is why Peter is saying, hey, who's the flock among you? What's going on there? Um, and so even if we can know those things, to be overly preoccupied in those things is a way of removing our gaze from the flock of God among us. Like how, how, how caught up can we get there and forget like the person in our community group that we could just call and ask how their day's going? Or, or the, so, there's someone that in, so a friend of ours that's struggling that we can pray for. Or, or someone that we know that has walked through horrific things that we can actually check in on. Um, and so those things happen, and it's, not, it's fine to be mindful of those things, but, but we need to be careful about uh, what's going on there. Because here's the thing. It's, it's not always clear. It's, it, what's easy today, and maybe this sounds self-serving, but you can throw me under the bus. That's fine. But it's easy to throw pastors under the bus right now. Like very few people are going to be like, oh, yeah, you, you shouldn't have done that. Everybody's just going to get on board really quickly with throwing anybody in leadership under the bus. And they're going to say, that was wrong. That was obviously wrong. This person's obviously right. And we just need to be careful. We need to be mindful. We don't know situations. And even in our situation, as we've felt uh, church hurt and church baggage, have we been mindful of that? Have we been mindful of ways that in our own baggage, we have not clothed ourselves in humility, um, in conflict with, within uh, the church, at previous churches, at the current church you're at, um, are, are you mindful of ways? Are you able to look and consider yourself in ways that uh, you need to clothe yourself in humility uh, towards others? Uh, again, right now, it's easy to focus on how you've been hurt. Um, and that is a good thing to acknowledge and a good thing uh, to clarify. And uh, horrific hurts have happened. Abuse has happened. And, and the fact that those have been covered up has been evil upon evil. All of those things are clear things we should know. But in actual situations that we're involved in, do do we see that, oh, you know what? I've actually compounded this hurt. This hurt isn't all about an evil that's been done to me. This hurt actually is partly evil that's inside me as well. Uh, That's what it means to clothe one another in humility as we, uh, towards one another. And obviously we see the motivation there. We do that because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. One of the things I think God is saying there is we're clothing ourselves in humility towards one another because God uh, opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And we don't connect this as much as we need to, but how we treat others is how we're treating God. Are you keeping people at a distance? Are you aggressive and angry? Are you bitter and frustrated? However you're treating people like that in your life 
is how you're treating God. Like God reacts to us and how we treat one another. And we like to disconnect those. Like, no, this is all right here. And God says, it's never just right there. It's not, you don't even believe in God and it's still never right there. Uh, and especially for those of us that are Christians, we should sh- see how we treat one another, how we interact in relationships is the way that we're interacting with God. Not necessarily the totality of it, but it's definitely a part of it. Um, and, and we need to consider that and think about that and, and um, uh, realize that, again, that we, we can feel the offense of this verse, and hopefully we do, so that we might feel the beauty of it, that God opposes the growl, proud but gives grace to the humble. So when we recognize our pride, that's a step towards humility. How, how do we become more and more humble? Realize how proud we really are. And I don't mean like an endless uh, search for it. I mean, it's, it's probably more obvious than you think. And, and the more we recognize that pride in our life, what is available to us? Grace. Like we, we get grace. What we do is we, we try to wall ourselves off from, from being wrong in any way and grow in our pride and miss out on the beautiful grace of God that is available to us. And humbling ourselves, it, it sounds hard because it is, uh, but the beauty of receiving God's grace is, is worth it. Um, God always wants us to realize that what we do to others, we, we do to him. And all of this is, you know, 1 Peter 2, 25 um, obviously Peter has already said this for you were straying like sheep but we have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls and that's what we just get to do again and again and again and by God's grace you can pray for us as elders that's what we want for you that's what we want for ourselves is that we can see when we stray we get to return to the, to the one that is the perfect shepherd that will truly never fail us the shepherd and overseer of our souls. And so to summarize, Christ is all for the elder and all for the member. Christ is all. And to the degree we believe and live in light of this truth, the more we'll enjoy great unity, uh, great love, great peace with each other and with the Lord. So instead of praying, I actually just want to read this exchange that maybe some of you have even thought about as as you've heard Peter talk about this, when he had an exchange with Jesus uh, in the book of John after the the resurrected uh, Jesus before he ascended. Uh, I'm just going to read this. If y'all want to go ahead and come up, Ben, because I'll read this and then we'll stand and sing. So John 21, 15 through 17. Listen to these words. This is where Peter's coming from. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. 
you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Let's stand and worship this Jesus.